devotion look like? I, I'm a pretty devoted guy. I've, I've always been more the style of like, if I'm going to do something, I'm just jumping all in. Um, one story is I uh, grew up playing a lot of soccer, um, the beautiful game. And um, at age 14, I was training with a coach named Alex Kajumlo. He was a former professional soccer player and done intense training, played around the world. He was trained in the Ajax training method, which is this Dutch soccer, and you probably don't care, but it's really intense and cool. <laughs> so I, I began doing like one-hour lessons with him, like once a week, using my own like money that I'd saved up. And when I ran out of money, I came to him just like, hey, I ran out of money. But he liked me. He liked me because I wasn't like the fastest, most talented kid. That's never been me. But I, I would just work really hard. I would, I would just listen to what he said, and I would do it. And so he actually invited me to begin training with him and this other guy that was like 26 years old to become a professional soccer player at 14. And so I was like, I'm in. So I didn't really do school. I was like, um, for, I was homeschooled. So we just kind of like, like, oh, we'll just make soccer school for a bit. And I would literally just train with this guy eight hours a day. Um, I get dropped off at Tolly's Coffee in downtown Seattle and uh, meet him there. And I would just follow him and do whatever he told me. I was an Alex Kajumalo disciple. Whatever he told me, I devoted myself to it. And the funny thing is, like, not just soccer stuff. You know, you train all day, but it was like anything he told me. He didn't drink coffee because he's like, the caffeine will mess you up. Don't drink coffee. To this day, I don't drink coffee because it was like so ingrained in me that like, hey, this will mess up with you, mess with your sports. So I'm like, all right. So we'd show up at Tolly's and we'd get a vanilla steamed milk. That's what I would get. I would get a vanilla steamed milk. He would, not only the soccer thing, he had this weird thing. It was funny, and it took me for a long time to break this, but he would say, like, we need to walk slow. He was really into slow walking, <laughs> and so we would just, like, drag our feet, and the reason was he's like, all of our energy, all of our speed, it's got to be for the field. Like, that was his theory. He's like, we keep it on the field, and so, and the other reason is he's just like, so everyone just sees us coming, and the dude would dominate. We'd go and we'd play in these like pickup games with uh, college players and semi-pros and he would just destroy them and I would just watch and be like, and I'd get to play with them and I was getting better and better, but we would. We would just show up to like this pickup game and we'd walk like this, all three of us. Don't pick up your feet. And for the longest time, I was just a slow walker. Like it took forever. And finally one day I'm like, "Ah, I just want to get places. I'm not even playing soccer anymore. It'd be the dead of winter and he had this thing where it was like, when you get home, if you don't want your muscles to be sore, you take an ice cold shower. So it's Washington, winter. I'd be playing soccer in the rain all day. I mean, eight hours running stairs, doing drills, doing scrimmages. And then I'd come home and I would take an ice cold shower. So my muscles wouldn't be sore the next day. Uh, they'd still be sore because it just, you, it was insane, the training. Uh, but that was how intense he was. And I would just do it. Because I saw, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's the best soccer player to this day that I've ever played with or witnessed. So if he says to do this, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk slow. I'm going to drink vanilla steamed milk. And I'm going to take cold showers as well as all the soccer stuff. Absolutely devoted. And I got way better. I was just crushing the kids my age because I'd be playing with like college players all the time. I didn't make it professionally. Um, actually... To finish up that story, uh, the soccer season I was in, we were playing indoor soccer, and the indoor soccer center actually caved in. Um, not while we were playing, but we showed up, and it had caved in. And so the season just shut down, 
and I'd just been playing soccer year-round, no breaks, training all the time, and it was like this forced break. Like, there wasn't a game the next week. There wasn't going to be a game for months because they had to redo this whole facility. Um, and so I just took a break and then found out, like, girls are cute, and you can snowboard and wakeboard and do other stuff, and I actually quit soccer altogether. I had uh, burnt myself out, more than likely. Um, so there's my glamorous soccer story. But here's the, here's the thing about that story, why I tell it. Kajumalo, he essentially came to me and he said, Jock, he couldn't say Jake. I would try to tell him, that Jake, it's Jake. And it, that never, and Jock, hurry up, Jock, speed, Jock. Not your ball, Jock. And, and, but he would just say, do this, and I would do it. And lo and behold, I got much, much better at the sport I was striving to, to get better at. Devoted and following. This is the type of devotion that Jesus is inviting you into. Complete and utter devotion. Follow me. Follow me. Not pick and choose the things about Jesus that you like. It's complete and utter devotion. It's, no, I follow after Jesus now. His ways are my ways. I'm learning to walk like him. And now you can imagine that if, that that's going to change you. So I think some of us were like, I want, to, I want Jesus in my life. I'm interested in him. I want to add him, I want this component, but I don't want him to like mix in or, or mess with certain areas of my life, right? Like there'd be some areas he gets near and you're like, yeah, Jesus, like that's a little close to home, right? That's a little close to home. Let's not, let's not, but listen, he says this, follow me and I will make you. See, following Jesus automatically implies that you are going to be changed by Jesus. Follow me and I will make you. Jesus is making us into something. He's actually making us to be more like him. Making us into his image. Forming us. Shaping us. To be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, means first you decide to follow him. Second, you are being made into something by him. You are being changed by Jesus. The Protestant Reformation, which started in 1517, and what this was, was at that time that the Catholic Church was the primary church, and uh, it was dealing with some uh, immense corruption. Uh, specifically, the corruption had to do with this idea of indulgences, which is you could basically buy little trinkets, and those trinkets could help um, your sins be washed away. Those trinkets could help uh, people that that you love, their sins get washed away, and they were selling these things. And a man named Martin Luther um, protested a lot that was going on in the Catholic Church at that time. And he protested, and one of the ways he protested, he protested publicly by writing a thing called the 95 Theses. And it was basically just 95 things that he wanted to debate the Catholic Church about. He wanted to say, no, we need to discuss these things because I'm seeing practices all over the place that are not in the Bible. And people weren't reading their Bible for themselves. And later, Luther's going to translate the Bible so, so everyone can read it for themselves. And he, and he pins these things up. And there are 95 things that are just, he thinks, are a key to following after Jesus that we're not doing in the Catholic Church, he says. And this is actually where the Protestant faith, or today maybe Christians, it, it, it was spurned out of, of this, or as a reforming, or, or coming back to the Bible, really. But he started these 95 theses. Number one, number one on this list of 95 things was this. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, 
He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. That means if you are a follower of Jesus, what that means is your entire life is you repenting. Repenting means to stop going your way, stop doing your own thing, and to turn around and start doing Jesus's thing to listen and obey him, to trust him in new areas of your life. And what Martin Luther said is this is, the, this is the number one thing that he puts on his list because this is the life of a Christian. The life of a follower of Jesus is constantly, okay, you learned about this area of your life. You, Jesus spoke into it. And you're like, okay, Jesus, I see what you're saying. I'm going to turn here. I'm going to follow here. I'm going to be more like you in my marriage. I'm going to be more like you in my workplace. And then later he shows something else in your life. He doesn't show it all at once. We couldn't handle it. He, over time, is revealing what it looks like to follow him in this area. Follow him with your money. Follow him with your life. Follow him with your time. Follow him in your parenting. Follow him with your eyes. Follow him with your thoughts. Follow him with your, your words. And he's constantly showing us where we're not following him in those things. Then he shows us what it looks like to follow him, and we churn and repent. The entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Some of us, we want Jesus. We want his forgiveness. We want his love. We love some of the just spiritual sayings, you know, that he says, love your neighbor as yourself. You're just like, man, this guy's a beautiful teacher. Nearly every religion in the world embraces some of Jesus's teachings. He's too big of a figure to ignore. So you maybe take some of what he said and, and, and set aside the others. But the problem with that is Jesus doesn't invite us to follow some of his teachings. He invites us to follow him. To follow him. He says, follow me and I will make you. I remember I had a friend who just started following Jesus and, and there's these areas in his life that we were talking about. Um, it's pretty major, huge areas that where he wasn't following Jesus and we were talking to him and he had his other group of friends that didn't follow after Jesus and they're like, man, dude, you just leave the church alone. They're trying to change you. And so he comes back to me and he's like, man, you guys are trying to change me, man. What's the deal? And I was like, yeah, that's the deal. That's the whole deal. Jesus completely changes us. He transforms everything about us. We came to him because we weren't good enough to be in relationship with our creator. We've fallen. We've sinned. We've rebelled against God. We've tried to be our own God. And Jesus dies to forgive us for that invites us back into this relationship so we could be who we are created to be. We weren't created to be God. But if we've lived our whole life trying to be God, well, one of the first things that Jesus is going to transform in us is that desire to be God and instead the desire to follow God, to obey God, to know and listen and be in relationship with God. And so he's like, you're trying to change us. And I'm like, yes, God is trying to change everything about you. And as a community, we get to do that together. God is trying to change everything about me. Follow me, and I will make you into fishers of men. He says, follow me, and I'm going to make you into, into someone that will discover their eternal purpose. Not just the fleeting purposes that we have, but an eternal purpose, a purpose that can bring hope to the world, hope to the hopeless, life to those that are dying, forgiveness to those that are just weighty and riddled, 
and guilt and shame. That's what Jesus is coming to bring. That's what he's coming to bring. It says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow you and I will make you fishers of men. This is what Jesus came to make us into. Someone that now isn't just fishing for fish. They were fishing for fish, right? Say, no, your, your new purpose is to win souls for Jesus, to help others follow Jesus, to help others know Jesus. If you are here and you have decided to follow Jesus, then your purpose in life is to help others follow Jesus. That's the purpose. It's not just to be a nice neighbor. It's not just to have barbecues and and, and feed other people. It's not to just pick up trash so the neighborhood looks nice. And I'm for all of these things. They can help people know Jesus or or be a way that they can see that Jesus loves them and cares for them. Matter of fact, our our church community is doing a trash pickup in two days where we're going to pick up trash around the park and around our city. But here's the thing. If we're just picking up trash, doing barbecues, doing nice things, but never actually inviting people to follow Jesus then that other stuff doesn't matter. He says, and I'm making you into fishers of men, not just a nice neighbor, a neighbor that extends the invitation to follow Jesus. That's what he's making us into. That's what he's making us into. It's changing our purpose. The order of this sentence matters. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, we decide to follow Jesus before he makes us into something. The order here is hugely important because if you get the order wrong here, here's what you'll try to do. Man, I'm going to stop drinking, then I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm going to get rid of my porn habit, then I'm going to come to Jesus. If I can just do enough good things, if I can change myself, then God will love me. Have you ever been in that cycle? Where maybe you even just, have you ever done just a sin that you just feel so bad about, you just feel so crummy, so guilty, so eh, that you're like, I can't pray right now, right? You're like, I can't pray. I got to wait like a week of like not doing this sin, a week of like maybe doing a few nice things and a week of doing, and then maybe I could pray. Have you ever felt that way? Man, I've felt that way. Times where I've just been like lusted after women or just sexual darkness and just being like, oh, no, I can't even pray to Jesus. I got to change myself, then I can follow him. No, the order here is important. Jesus says, follow me, receive my invitation, and I will make you. And so, This is a first step of following Jesus, becoming a follower, but it's an ongoing step. All of the Christian life is a life of repentance. So when we fall into our sin, we fall into our junk, and we feel that guilt and shame, it isn't, oh man, I got to change this, I got to work hard, I'll make myself better, and then I come to Jesus. No, in the midst of the junk, in the midst of the crud, in the midst of the guilt and shame, no, I'm going to follow after Jesus. I'm going to receive what he's done I'm going to call out to him, and he makes me clean. He washes away my sin. He changes me. He transforms me, and he'll help me to win souls. 
Follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. As you're following after Jesus, he'll start to just unfold some of your specific purpose and calling. See, I think a lot of times we want to figure out what is my calling? What am I, and, and we do that before we're just following after Jesus. Here's what you are called to do. You are called to follow after Jesus, to know him and be known by him. Out of that, he begins to transform you, transform your desires, open your eyes to specific things, and then maybe show you specific ways that you are going to help fish for men. I'll tell you a story. I have a friend. His name's Daniel Yu, Daniel and Marsha Yu. And I actually, when I was talking about Myanmar earlier intro, I went to Myanmar, Burma with them. And we went there um, to care for... Uh, did do a few different things, but one of the things we got to do is care for an orphanage, and we got to play with these kids, play soccer with them, and, and bring them meals, and um, it was great, and um, while we were there, he heard from the Lord, this man, Daniel, he heard from the Lord, show them that I'm a better father than what they're experiencing now, and what they're experiencing we work with orphans actually in Tijuana. And honestly, the conditions in Myanmar make the conditions at the orphanages in Tijuana look like the Sheraton. I mean, it just is rough. The food situation is rough. The bedding situation is rough. The bathroom situation is worse than rough. And his heart just began to br- break. And they made this decision to just go on this trip go in the city, pray, to just follow after Jesus. And as they were following Jesus, he began to just change their heart for a specific place. And so he came back and had that on his mind. Man, show him that I'm a better father than this. Show him that I'm a better father than this. And he began praying, Lord, what does that even look like? He and his wife were praying and wrestling. And they end up setting up this uh, kind of foundation and they begin sending um, just different food and nutrition and finding different ways to um, basically care for that orphanage, just kind of took it upon himself and, and started putting a lot of his time and energy into that and just following Jesus in that area. And, and after that, the Lord kept speaking to him, kept revealing to him what maybe was next and began to actually call into him to go and move he and his family over there to maybe plant a church. And so they're praying about what that might look like and wrestling through that. And then God began to specifically show them, you're going to plant a church on the border of Myanmar and Thailand, actually in Shanghai, Thailand. And I want you there for a long season. It's going to be this hub church. And eventually from out of there, because there's Thai and Burmese, and it's really hard to actually move into Myanmar. It just became an open country. So all these things. And the Lord is just showing them, you're going to plant here first. And then eventually from there, um, you'll meet Burmese, you'll disciple them, and then you'll be able to go into the country and plant a church there. And so just these last two weeks, um, Daniel and Marsha Yu and about 11 other adults from their church up and left everything. He was um, a very uh, successful lawyer, left his law firm, left their beautiful home, um, brought a family, four kids, and they moved to Shanghai, Thailand just the last couple weeks ago. And it was amazing. I got to be there to just pray for them at their send-off and see the tears and see the celebration. And that didn't happen overnight. There's a very specific calling on their hearts, a very specific people that they feel like we are supposed to fish for these people. We're supposed to help these people follow Jesus. But it started with just following Jesus in different everyday areas of life. The order matters. Some of you, you're just like, I want this huge calling. 
but you're not even listening to Jesus on the day to day. I want this huge calling, but you won't give up your video game addiction and spend more time with your wife and kids, right? I want this huge calling, but you won't just go get a job and work for a while, pay off your debt and some of the simple things where Jesus is probably calling you into. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you're following Jesus, you will automatically begin to help others follow Jesus. When I first got saved, no one told me, tell the people you love about Jesus. That wasn't something that was like, Jake, now let me teach you how to tell. It was like, Jesus saved me. He transformed me. I was like, this is it. This is, I told you I was always passionate, you know, so I just would go from things to things and just be passionate about it. And, but these things would leave me hanging, you know, whether it was soccer, that didn't fully satisfy. I got really into sports, sports television. I was a sports television producer for Fox Sports Net, did that for four years, interviewed players. Um, it, it was great, but it left me wanting. I'm like, no, these guys aren't gods. Uh, it, it, I didn't know that's what was going on, but it was, I would meet, you know, professional football players, NBA players, and, and I realized, like, they, they're, not, they're not gods. I don't know what's going on. I didn't know that was what even my heart was thinking, but there was this, I would get there and be a little bit disappointed, right? Um, you'd win something in sports, and you'd still be like, well, what's next? And then I met Jesus and realized this is what my heart's been longing for all along. This is the one that changes everything. This is the one that is worthy of my devotion, my worship. This is the one I should follow after. He is the creator God. And so I decided to follow Jesus. And he began just changing everything in my life. I had chronically masturbated from the age of seven into the first year of my marriage. And the Lord just took that away and within like a few months of following after him. Transformed me, began to change the way I looked at women. He transforms every area of your life. I was greedy, scared to spend, scared to, if I went to Sundays, it'd be out of guilt, maybe once a month because there wouldn't be a good football game on. And I would leave my wallet in the glove box because I didn't want to be accidentally guilted into maybe throwing $5 in. But then I began following after Jesus and he just transformed that area of my life. And I remember the time it happened. I'd been following him for about a month and I, I met Jesus in December. And it was like the middle of January. And I, I had just, I, th- I think I'd just gotten like my W-2 form. I got my W-2 in the mail. And I had made that last year $18,000, $18,500. I was raking it in. <laughs> and I'd been changed by Jesus. And I felt Jesus say, follow me with your finances. And this is the same guy that never tithed more than five bucks and that only out of guilt and wished I could have taken it back as soon as I was done with it. And I felt like the Lord was saying, follow me in this. Give 10% of what you made last year. And I'm looking at my W-2 and I'm like, Lord, I made $18,500. Do you know what 10% of that is? 10% of that is $1,850. And the Lord just said, follow me. Follow me in every area of your life. I was scared to death, so I went to the library because at this point, I didn't have internet at my house because I wanted to follow after Jesus with the lust and everything else. I'm like, I can't have internet. I can't have cable. Just shut it all off. I can't be near it at this point in my life. And so I went to the library because that's the only place I'd use the internet. And I went online to this church that I kind of sometimes had gone to. I was still like even just new with what it meant to follow Jesus and be a part of the church. And I just, boom, Gave $1,850 to my credit card right there and then and said, all right, Lord, I want to follow you in every area of my life. 
and he changed, began changing me. And I can still struggle with selfishness and greed. I'm not saying I'm perfect, look at me. I can still struggle with lust. But what I'm saying is he, when you follow after him, he begins to transform you. That's what he does. And I've been able, I've been blessed to give to the church and give to other church plants ever since. And it's been a joy, a joy, because I believe in what the church is doing in helping others follow Jesus. In fact, I've given my whole life to church planting and helping other churches plant so more people can follow Jesus. And this isn't my idea. My idea was to be a sports producer. It was actually going pretty well. I was getting close to getting my own show. It was going to be called like sports cribs. It was when cribs was really big and I was going to just do it with local athletes in the Northwest. It was going to be a cool show, man. It was going to be great. But Jesus said, follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. And as I begin to follow him and he's transforming me, no one said, tell your little sisters who don't know Jesus, who are just dating loser guys, Go tell them about Jesus. Like, no one had to force me into that. I immediately, I went to my cousins. I went to my coworkers. I went to them. And I'm like, you got to meet Jesus. No, 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 no. None of this other stuff matters. That boyfriend is a loser. Dump him and date Jesus. <laughs> I would tell her that just over and over and over. And finally she did. Yes, praise the Lord. My sisters love Jesus. That guy's long gone. They both have husbands that love Jesus, serve the church. Yes. But no one had to tell me that. Why? Because I was following after Jesus. And so that just automatically happens as you're seeing how beautiful he is, how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, how much he does in our life. You want others to know this. This is the same with anything we love, right? You love something. You're following it. You're devoted to it. You automatically tell others about it. Follow Jesus. Experience him for yourself. And he will transform you. And he will help you fish for others so that they can know Jesus too. The order matters. The order matters. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Gives us this same invitation today. There's a hymn. I think we might try to sing it uh, later. I kind of spurred it on Chris and Sonia. And they're like, I don't know it, but maybe Sonia can figure it out. I think she might have. So, um, but but it says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And then it says this, the cross before me, the world behind me. As this is what it means to follow Jesus. It doesn't mean that you clean yourself up. It means the cross is what is before you. This invitation to follow Jesus, we now have this invitation because of the cross. Because Jesus lived perfectly. And he lived perfectly for us as a substitute. For all the times that you have failed to follow Jesus, Jesus lived in your place. For all the times you've failed to love like Jesus loved, forgive like Jesus forgived, obey like Jesus obeyed, he has lived it in your place. And for all the times that you've failed to follow after him, he's also died your death 
That's why he came to the cross. He didn't come to the cross because he thought that was going to be fun. He came because we are actually deserving of death for constantly living a life where we give the middle finger to God. We have declared war on God over and over and over. Almost every morning, we just wake up and say, I'm going to be God of this day. And every time we do that, you know what we are also saying? God, you're not God. And we make war with him. And any time you make war with a great king and a great kingdom, you deserve death. You've committed treason against the king. You commit treason, you deserve death. Jesus came to take the death that we deserve and take it for us. That's why the cross. That's why the cross. And so he lived our life and died our death. And now when he says, follow me, he invites us with the cross. He he shows us the work he's done on the cross and then says, follow me. Follow me because I've died so that you can. I've died to make this possible. That's why I love that part of the song. It says, the cross before me, the world behind me. That's what it means to follow after Jesus. What he's done is before you. His great love that he would die for you. That is what is before you now. In the world, everything else, all of its empty promises behind you. And then the cross changes us. It it transforms us. When you decide to follow after Jesus, not only is Jesus making you into something in this lifelong walk, the doctrinal term there is sanctification, that we're being made more like Jesus. Um, Some might call it imparted righteousness, that his righteousness is being imparted to us. That means that Slowly but surely, we're becoming more and more righteous like Jesus. So there's that process of happening right when we follow Jesus, but there's also an immediate righteousness. You are changed when you decide to follow Jesus. That's the beautiful thing. With all still your bad habits, with all still of your junk, you can receive freely the work of the cross that Jesus has done. And in that moment, you are now declared righteous. You have now gone from an enemy of a God to a friend of God. You have now gone from a spiritual orphan to a son and daughter. You've now gone from dirty to hidden in Christ. So you follow Jesus, you are changed by Jesus, and you are changed instantly into his image. That God, when he looks upon you, no longer sees you and all your junk. He sees his son. We're changed. And now it's simply learning out how to live out this new identity. How to live as this righteous one, this cleansed one, this saint. Think of it this way. You have like uh, an Excel sheet type document, just boom, the big line down the middle and the columns on this side and the columns on that side. And before we met Jesus, we were a sinner. We were on this side of the column. We were fully a sinner on this side. And we sometimes sainted. Okay, that means sometimes we did saintly things, but we were a sinner. You might be like, oh, there's good people out there do good things that don't follow Jesus. Yes, there are sinners that by God's common grace sometimes get to do good things and, and be saintly. And that's where we were. But then... When we decide to follow Jesus, at that moment of trusting Jesus, because of the work of Jesus, we are transformed. And now the column switches and we go from a saint, from a sinner who sometimes sainted, to a saint who sometimes sins. 
Our very identity is transformed by the work of Jesus. This is good news. When God sees us, he doesn't see sinner, he sees saint. And we're growing to actually live more saintly like him. But it is who we are. We're just learning to become who we are. The cross transforms everything. We decide to follow Jesus because we see the work of the cross and we receive that. And we're transformed, changed by Jesus because of the work of the cross. And then we fish for men. And you know how we fish for men? By declaring the work of the cross. By declaring who Jesus is and what he has done on the cross. This is how we fish for men. Yes, there's the missional pieces. But at its core, to fish for men is to declare. Jesus says this in Acts 1.8. Let me read it so I don't. This is Jesus. It's right before he's actually going to ascend back into heaven. And his followers are there like, what do we do? You're alive. This is amazing. You're going to leave though. So now what? And, and he says this in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. And what does he mean by witnesses is you're going to fish for men. How are you going to do that? You're going to do that by witnessing. Witnessing to what? Witnessing to my life and my death and my resurrection. That's how you're going to help people follow Jesus. We follow Jesus because of the work of the cross. We grow in Jesus because of the work of the cross. And we help others follow Jesus by proclaiming the work of the cross. Amen? Amen. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I want to argue that this following Jesus, being changed by Jesus and helping others follow Jesus, you're like, okay, I want to argue that it's very simple. I think we've complicated Christianity, especially in America. We're the most over-resourced church in the world is probably the one in America, right? We complicate Christianity. The conferences, the workshops, the books, uh, the discipleship curriculums, it just can go on and on and on, the online seminars. And look, there's a lot of good stuff out there. I'm not saying just throw it all out. It's great. I've been encouraged by it. I've been built up by it. But we can complicate Christianity, and I want to simplify it. And I want to simplify it in this way. What does it look like to follow after Jesus? How do we follow after Jesus? How do we hear his voice? Simply the disciplines of the prayer and word. That we pray to Jesus and we come to hear from Jesus from his word. If you want to follow after Jesus, I encourage you, devote yourself to the Bible and to prayer. Devote yourself to it. And he'll begin to just transform you. He'll begin to change you. What does it look like to be changed by Jesus? You're like, well, I want to change. How do I change? Devote yourself to the Bible and prayer. Just pray to God. J.C. Ryle, I'm going to quote him in a second, but J.C. Ryle, your boy J.C., he was a theologian from the late 1800s, a British bishop, um, wrote some amazing books. One of his books was on prayer. And one of the big things he just says through that book over and over and over is, do you pray? Do you pray? And he he says, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but he basically says, you can tell the spiritual health of a Christian. He's like, I can tell you what type of Christian they are by their prayer life. 
Do you pray? We get to follow Jesus and speak with Jesus and know Jesus. He's with us intimately and deeply, and we experience that through prayer and God's word. So you want to follow after Jesus, sink into prayer and sink into his word. You want to be transformed by Jesus. He changes us as we are, the washing of the word the Bible talks about. That we be washed by the word or transformed by the renewing of the mind. There's all, the world is filled with all these empty promises, lies, and accusations, and we have one place where we can just purely hear the voice of God. Don't you want to hear the voice of God? Not just do what your this friend tells you to do or do what television tells you to do or the latest song tells you to do or whatever thing we're supposed to buy next to make us happy. Oh, how many of th- those things are there, right? And you buy it and it's just like, well, I was happy for a day. But to actually hear purely what will satisfy your soul. We hear that from God's word. And we get to interact with him through prayer. And then how do we help others follow Jesus? How do we make disciples? How do we fish for men? Prayer in the word. As we pray that God would save souls. I remember like that story I was telling you earlier, following after Jesus. Okay, I've decided to follow Jesus and then just falling on my knees. Lord, save my sister. Save my friend D. Save my parents. Save and just begging. Would you save them? Would you save them? Would you save them? As we pray for people, and share God's word with them. That's how we help them follow Jesus. And that's how we help each other follow Jesus, even those who have decided to follow Jesus, right? That's the life of the church. The life of the church is this this group. The church literally just basically means a gathering of Jesus followers. That's what the, the word ecclesia means. It's just a gathering of disciples. And as we gather together, We encourage one another with prayer and the word. We pray for one another. We share God's word with one another. That's what we get to do together. Amen? So church, are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? He invites you today, whether you've been following him, but you've just felt maybe distant. Even if you're following him passionately, he's still saying to just continue, follow me. Or maybe you're here and you've never taken that step. I want to quote J.C. Ryle again. He says this in his book, Holiness, written in 1879. Stuff I'm sharing is not new, guys. He says this, But I bid you come to Christ and be saved. The day of decision must come sometime. Why not this very hour? Why not today while it is called today? Why not this very night before the sun rises tomorrow morning? Come to him who died for sinners on the cross and invites all sinners to come to him by faith and be saved. Come to my master, Jesus Christ. Mercy is ready for you. Christ is ready to receive you gladly and welcome you among his children. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus is inviting you to follow him. Deep relationship, intimacy, purpose, transformation and power to say yes to Jesus and no to sin in areas that have crippled you your whole life. Follow me. Let's pray.
Jesus, we just thank you so much uh, for your love for us. God, would you help us to follow you? And I just going to take a second in the midst of this prayer, and I just, I feel like there's things that Lord specifically wants to ask some of you to follow him in. Let's just take a minute here and just, just listen and ask the Lord just to yourself. Ask him, Lord, what are areas of my life I'm not following you? I think he wants to show you some things. Let's just take a minute and just go ahead and ask that silently to yourself as we pray together. I'm hearing the word trust. And I just feel like there's some areas that he's already speaking to you guys right now. And he just wants to remind you, trust me. You can trust him. If you ever doubt if you can trust Jesus, look to the cross. You can trust, trust this one who died on the cross for you. Does Jesus help us trust you? Let's continue to just listen. Help us trust you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're still praying. When I was on the car ride over here, I was praying for you guys and just like, Lord, is there anything, anything you just want to say specifically? Or, and he showed me this picture of uh, uh, just like a baseball player taking a huge swing. And I've seen this picture before when, when praying to the Lord and, and, and um, the idea behind it, I believe that he's trying to say, just swing for the fences. And I feel like he wants to say to some of you um, that in this area of following Jesus, that maybe you're dabbling in it a bit. You're dabbling in following Jesus and he's just saying, swing for the fences. Go all in. Just go after Jesus. Don't dabble it anymore. Don't just flirt with it anymore. Swing for the fences and following after Jesus. Trust him. So I think these two words he has for you, New City, Trust and swing for the fences. Let's continue to just listen. Just talk to him as we're listening. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for for coming to live our life and die our death. Thank you for rising again. And thank you, God, for inviting us to follow you. That we don't have to follow the empty promises of the world anymore, that we can follow the one true God. Thank you that you change us. It's not up to us to change. Thank you that you speak to us, show us what it looks like to follow you in different areas of our life. And Lord, would you help, help our friends and loved ones and strangers and family to follow you, and would you use us to do that? Use us to help others follow Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So here's how I'd like us to, to respond. Um, let's maybe sing the first part of this song. Um, we won't have the words up.
but it's, it's easy to uh, follow along with. Um, and then just as you're led, just take communion. And I believe you guys usually take communion in your communities and, and take it together. So at least how you've done it when I've visited in the past. Um, but actually today, I wanna invite you to take communion on your own. If you're a follower of Jesus, just take it on your own and just, I want you to just, just you and God dialogue about this. Um, to come and remember what he did to, to, to sacrifice, to offer you to be able to follow him. And just spend some time just in silence, in your chair, just hearing from the Lord in this interaction of, Lord, I wanna follow you personally and thank you for what you've done for me. As you take the, this, we take the, it looks like crackers, and dip it into the juice. And the crackers is to, rem, to remind us of Jesus' broken body for us, um, that he shed, broke his body on the cross. And then we take it into the juice to remember that Jesus shed his blood for us. And so it's a time to reflect upon the cross. Um, and also, I just want to encourage us to reflect personally on what does it look like for me to follow after you personally? Just you and Jesus. Uh, one of the things in this line, I love this song, is that I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. And I wanted to do it personally here because I just want you to have this moment with Jesus where you say, if everyone around me churns and stops following Jesus, I'm still following you. If even those that are closest to me, because of who you are, Jesus, because of what you've done, even when it's the least popular, even if there's persecution and people scatter, even my closest friends scatter and leave, I will follow Jesus. And so if that's where you're at, I just invite you to share that time with Jesus. And if that's not where you're at, but you love Jesus, I want you to confess that in this time. Jesus, man, if, if, if everyone bailed, I, I'm afraid I'd bail too. Confess that to him. So just spend some time, just you and Jesus. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm asking you not to take communion. That's for those who have decided to follow Jesus. You can decide to follow Jesus um, today. Uh, you can talk with me or talk with Austin or maybe some friend that brought you and you can make that decision today. It's just simply of saying, I've, I've decided. I've decided to follow him. I've decided to receive what he's done for me. That's all you have to do. And you're in, boom, transformed, new in Christ. It's beautiful. Um, but maybe you're not ready for that step. I would just invite you, just take this time and just sit. Sit as, as people are taking communion and just think through, what is the Lord saying to me? God, are you real? What is going on? And it's a moment to just have silence. Um, and enjoy a moment of silence. So uh, with that, let's stand and sing this and just as you're led, come forward um, and take communion. <laughs>